0: Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. We've got some more folks coming in here in the next couple minutes. We're going to go ahead and get started with our worship this morning. Thank you for joining us today. To those of you joining us online, thank you for uh, being with us this morning, and worshiping with the Flagstone family. A couple things to let you know about uh, for you guys here in the in the big room with us this morning. Uh, first of all, we got some folks that are optional, uh, so I wanted you to be aware of that while you're uh, worshiping with us this morning. The second thing is uh, on about every other chair on most of our rows, we have uh, bulletins, just some information about some things going on with our church family right now, and I wanted to draw your attention to the top of that bulletin. We, we want one of these per family, so that's why there's every other chair. So pick one up that's near you. Uh, feel free to look at that if you want to. Uh, I made a mistake last week. I gave the wrong information, so I want to correct that this morning. Uh, there's a QR code that we like for any of our first-time guests, second-time guests, Uh, to let us know this this isn't for our entire membership. This is just for our guests. Uh, If you would take a second to click on that. Um, and there's just a, a little form to fill out, give us some contact information for you. And again, as I said last week, we're not going to be bombarding you with phone calls or trying to come by your house or anything. Uh, we just want to know who you are and that you came, and we want to say thank you for coming. So take a minute to do that. It won't take you about 30 seconds to click on that QR code. And then, as I said, for, for everyone, there's some information about things going on with our church family that we want you to be aware of as well. So feel free to take these with you. Uh, also, feel free to use you know, the back for sermon notes if you'd like to or anything Uh, that goes on during worship today, maybe some prayer requests you want to make a note of, use those for that as well. When we take communion this morning, we will be taking some prayer for our communion. Uh, If you'll take a communion cup that should be on the chair uh, where you sat down, peel off the first lid, and that's how you get to the wafer, and peel off the second lid and drink the juice, and that's how we'll take communion together. So I want everybody to be aware of that. The last thing is, for those of you with uh, I guess third grade and younger, from babies to third grade, uh, at any time this morning during our worship service, if you want to take advantage, uh, you can go right out these doors, right across our lobby to the check-in area, and we have volunteers ready to uh, to take your kids back to our children's center, and they can have uh, children's worship and activities and, and um, classes and snacks and all those kinds of things for them while you can while you're worshiping with us at any time this morning and then if you do want to keep your kids in here with you that's fine as well we have some activity bags out in our lobby and uh, you're welcome to, to get one of those for your kids there's you know some activity sheets and crayons and maybe even a couple of snacks in there as well so feel free to go right outside these doors into our lobby and grab one of that I think that's all the housekeeping things to share with you this morning um, we're going to be singing praises together today. We're going to be spending time with the Word together today, and I'm just excited to be worshiping uh, together with you this morning. We started off, at least here in, in uh, Rogers and Bentonville area, we started off our, our school year uh, earlier this last week, and so uh, kind of getting more into a routine. We don't want our worship time to just feel routine, though. I know uh, for, for some of us that have been coming here for a while, we kind of have... Maybe a set way of doing things, and I want to invite you this morning to really try to experience worship, uh, and and really get into the songs, not just with your voices, but with your hearts. Really focus on the words. Really focus in when we when we pray together, and even just in conversations with with each other. Just soak that up, and 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 be wrapped up in connecting with each other and being connected in God's presence as we worship together this morning. So let's pray to God. As pray, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the blessing of being able to meet together. Here in this room, to be able to meet together in this building with all the the kids that we have here, and being able to meet even with folks online that can't be here with us, but they're in, in with their hearts and, and their minds as well. We're just so thankful, God, to be able to worship you today. So we ask, we ask, we, as we begin worship, that you would you would clear our minds and our hearts of of anything that would distract us from being here in your presence right now. There's things that we'll probably need to do after worship is over with today. There's things that have happened over the last week that are maybe weighing us down. There's things that are coming up this week that we seem to have a hard time just getting out of our minds. And God, I pray that you, through your spirit, would, would cleanse our hearts and our minds right now so we can be focused on being here and, and uh, feeling your presence all around us and being connected with each other as we worship. So let that happen during the songs we sing, during the prayers we offer, during the time we spend your word. Let us be uh, touched by you. Let us, be, um, let us be drawn closer to you. And God, if there's some changes that need to be made, let that happen today as well. We give this morning to you, God. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Well, please stand up with me as worship this morning. I will call upon the Lord, upon the Lord. who is worthy who to be praised so shall Exalted, know oh,
2: the Lord, baby.
1: and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Jesus Christ died for me. Oh. you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious you are the
2: Before I I turn our minds towards communion, I want to throw a quick plug out there for the the Read Scripture app. If you started with us at the beginning of the year, um, Tuesday we start the New Testament. So it's a chance to get back on and forget all those days you missed. Uh, I know I missed a few myself, so I wanted to mention that to you um, so you can jump back in on that and join us in our Facebook page as as we talk through that as a group. I've got three boys, and, and as, a, as a parent, one of the worst things you can experience is watching your kids be in pain, um, especially when there's nothing you can do about it. Um, a lot of times, you just may be unable to help and you just have to stand by and watch, um, whether that's at a baseball game, watching them strike out, or struggle through a test at school. Um, but there are, there are times when you, as a parent, have have the power to do something, but you choose not to. Um, wh- one of the worst examples I can think of is when you take that two or three year old child to the to the doctor's office for their annual checkup and and you know what's coming as a parent. Um, you may have even tried to to tell your kid what's coming up, but you go in for your checkup and after all the the typical things, uh, the doctor gets to leave and and the nurse comes in for for immunizations for the shots, and that child has no idea what's coming. They, they've even had shots before as a, as a baby. Um, and that's rough, but this time it's different. Um, this time your job as a parent is to hold that child while a nurse <laughs> jabs a needle into his arm. Um, you, there's those screams of pain, but, but what's really bad is when they look at you and, and those eyes they say, what, why did you let them do that to me? Don't you love me? Don't you care? And, and in that moment, there's no explanation of, of how immunization works or how it's good for them that that will do any good. You just, you just have to, to be there and hold them and, and let them know that you love them. And, and I, I don't know exactly how God feels when he sees us in pain and when he sees us questioning him. Um, but I feel it's a little bit like that parent in the doctor's office. Um, Jesus even questioned him and, and asked why when he was in the garden before his crucifixion. And at this time, we, we celebrate that God showed his love for us uh, by, by allowing Jesus to endure that pain, uh, that terrible pain, a cruel death, but a temporary death, um, because God knew what was on the other side for us. In Romans, Paul says that at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and we, we thank you that we get to celebrate this meal uh, as a church, as a, as a son and a daughter of, of you, um, all because that you loved us so much uh, that you gave your only son to die for us. Uh, God, we, we question you. And we don't understand everything, and we we probably won't ever understand until we see you in heaven. Help us to to put our faith in you and to trust you, and to understand that your love uh, covers all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Hide me away. Oh Lord. Shalom. before Marshall wasn't. Faithful (laughs) love.
0: So probably, oh man, I don't even know how many years ago, 12, 13 years ago, we took our family uh, with, on a church uh, ski trip to Crested Butte, Colorado. I don't know if any, how many of you have ever been to Crested Butte. I'm sure it's a wonderfully nice uh, ski resort. We didn't, have, we didn't have an awful experience, we didn't have the best experience there. Uh, And the thing was, we had our three boys. Uh, We got three boys, like Scott mentioned, he does. And and, uh, matter of fact, um, uh, that was their first time to go skiing. So we took, uh, I guess, our older two and put them um, into um, ski school. Well, it was just one of those days, The spring breaks. There's a ton of people there. There There's a ton of people trying to check their kids into uh, ski school. And You know, it's just chaos. There's hundreds of kids everywhere. There's hundreds of people everywhere. And and these ski instructors are overloaded and overwhelmed uh, with the number of kids they got to keep up with. But we finally get uh, ours registered. We get them all taken care of, get them into their groups. And then uh, Christy and I and a couple of our friends, we just take off. We're like, okay, we'll pick them up at the end of the day. They're going to be taken care of today, no problem. So we go uh, and ride some lifts and get up and get almost on the complete opposite side of the ski resort from where our kids were. And we're skiing along, uh, and I don't know, we've been skiing about, uh, you know, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I'm, I'm not even sure how long it had been. Um, and I get a, a phone call, uh, and I happen to hear my, my phone ringing, and, you know, my jacket, and I pull it out, and it's, it's my buddy Justin. And I answer him, I'm like, hey, buddy, what's up? And he's like, hey, I was just down here at the, at the base walking past the first aid station, and Ethan, Ethan's my oldest son, Ethan's just sitting there at the first aid station. I was like, oh, my gosh, is he hurt? And he's like, no, he's just sitting there. Uh, and and I said, well, are, I mean, can you see him? And he's like, yeah, he's right here. And I was like, well, ask him where his group is. And then I wait for a few seconds, and then he's like, he doesn't know. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, we we ski as hard and as fast as we can, you know, back over to um, the first aid station. We, you know, we finally get there, and there's Ethan sitting there. And we're like, dude, where's your group? He's like, I don't know. And, and so I'm kind of frustrated, you know, for him. Uh, but I'm also frustrated with this, this instructor that was supposed to keep up with my child, right? That's, that's part of the paperwork we signed. I'll let you have my kid. You keep track of him and give him back to me when the day is over. That was the understanding. That was the arrangement. And so I I was like, you know, do you have any idea where group is? Like, no, we were there. And then, and then all of a sudden they weren't there. And I went up this lift, you know, the the chair thing, you know, to to see if I could find them. They weren't up there. I'm like, you rode a lift? He's like, yeah. I'm like, and you ski back down. He's like, well, I fell a lot. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you didn't even learn how to do this. So it's it's close to the lunchtime for ski school. So I go over and I find his leader. Who is getting all the rest of the kids in his group all getting them all rounded up and getting getting fed? And I w- walked up to him. I was like, "Hey, did you know you're missing one." He's like, "I am." I'm like, "Yeah, my son." And he's like, "Oh, sorry. Where is he? I'm like, he's right here." And his group had already, you know, kind of gotten done eating their lunch. He's like, "Well, uh, you know, he can join back in with us. We'll keep the rest of the afternoon." And I was kind of like, "Will you? Will like, <laughs> okay." But he hasn't eaten yet. He's like, just take him inside because, you know, part of the ski school is you get lunch provided for you. He's like, take him inside and get him fed. We'll wait here for him. Like, okay. So go inside. Well, all these hundreds of kids that had been there for ski school had already eaten their hot dogs or mac and cheese or whatever it was, and there's like almost nothing left. I mean, I think we might have gotten a cold hot dog and a, a, you know, box of juice or something. That's about all that they had left. to give to him. So we got him fed as fast as we could, you know, run to the bathroom real quick. Okay, let's go back out. We go back outside, and his group is nowhere to be seen. And I'm furious. And when I, most of y'all probably haven't seen me get really mad. When I get really mad, I get really quiet. and And just, and so I quietly walk up to the desk, and I was like, I would like to see the manager who is in charge of this place. Because I can't yell at the guy who left my kid, because he's gone. So I need to, you know, find... Anyway, we get we get our money back. I'm really frustrated with that with that whole uh, experience. And even the manager, you know, like he gave me the money back. He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry." And then he goes on about and does his other things. And and one of the things that frustrated me the most about that whole experience was just the lack of concern that I felt from the guy who was supposed to be concerned about my child. Now I know he's my son, and I'm going to be more concerned about him than probably anybody else is outside of his mother. But you know. You're supposed to care. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to be not only just aware of what's of where my son is, but what's going on with him. Like that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And you didn't. And then, and even when I brought it up to you and said, "Hey, you lost one," it's like, "Oh, well, my bad." And you didn't really seem to care. And it was so frustrating to me. It made me so angry. And I wonder if if how many of us have you know situations like that? Not necessarily that somebody doesn't care about our kid, although that might be it. But just you know those times where. There's something that's bothering you, there's something that's hurtful, maybe even maybe even painful or just overwhelming or frustrating, and maybe you're sharing it with somebody, or somebody could do something about it, and they just don't seem to care. They're just not that concerned. And and you want them to be as concerned about it as you are, but but they're not. And it's, that can be so just frustrating, and, and it can make us angry, can make us sad, can, you know, just... The the emotions that we go through when we are upset, when we are hurting, when somebody that we care about is going through something difficult, and we and we are either sharing that with somebody else and they don't seem to care, or they could do something about it and they're just not that not that passionate about it. That's frustrating, isn't it? And I want you I want you to think about times when you felt that way, and maybe some of you that's happened very recently. Um, as we are reminded of, of this series that we're going through, this unfiltered um, series, where we're looking at, at times when we, when we maybe hesitate to be completely honest and completely unfiltered in our conversation with God and our approaches to Him, and recognizing that there's people all throughout Scripture who had really unfiltered approaches to God, had really unfiltered conversations with Him, poured out some things that were on their hearts that they didn't hold back there was there was no filter there was no let me let me sprinkle a little bit of grace on this before i say it they just said it and it was blunt and it was honest and it was genuine and it was real and it was exactly what god invited them to do and we're recognizing that we have that we have that right we have that ability that we can come to god with the things that are on our hearts and maybe it's a little raw sometimes and maybe it maybe we feel like, I should probably throw a filter on this, but but God invites us to be honest and genuine with Him. And that can be so helpful for us in, in maybe getting through some some problems, some difficulties, but also it helps us be more closely connected with God. And so that's what we've been working on these last few weeks of, of finding out different aspects of our lives where we can have a little bit more unfiltered approach to God. We're going to do that again today and, and look at times... Uh, a couple of times in the Scripture where people were honest with God and they really were honest about kind of challenging God, asking his, his awareness of what was going on in the world around them, what was going on in their own lives. And if he actually even cared about what was going on, so so let me give you a couple examples of that. There's multiple examples in Scripture, but I'll give you a couple examples this morning. There's a guy uh, named Habakkuk, and that's you know he has a book um, of the Bible named after him. So if you look in your Bible apps or in your in your Bibles, look in your table of contents in the Old Testament towards the end of the Old Testament, this guy Habakkuk was a prophet of God, and. Uh, the, the things that were going on when he was a prophet, he was a messenger of God. God would give him messages to tell other people. And what was happening with God's people at the time, and if you read in the book of, of Habakkuk, God's people had had decades upon decades of just not paying any attention to God, completely walking away from him. They're not obeying his laws. They're not worshiping him. They're worshiping other gods. They're doing all these ungodly things. And God is starting to allow bad things to happen to his people as consequences for the choices that they were making. And there's other nations that are, that are coming and attacking God's people, and they're taking away territory, and they're taking over cities, and they're, uh, they're subjecting God's people to, to forced labor and all sorts of things. And it's just bad stuff. Just bad things are happening in the country at the time. And Habakkuk starts out, not, he's not proclaiming a message from God when you start reading through the book of Habakkuk. Actually, Habakkuk is complaining to God. And he's being really honest and, and very, very genuine and very real. if you the second verse, Habakkuk chapter one and verse two, he says, "How long, O Lord, must I call for help? and you don't listen. I'm asking God for you to do something. things are bad, things are not going good for your people. it's frustrating, it's hurtful, it's overwhelming. How long are you going to just sit by and do nothing? And if you keep reading through that part of Habakkuk, God gives Habakkuk an answer and says, Not only is it going to keep going, it's going to get worse. Well, that's not the answer that Habakkuk was looking for. God, I want you to make this stop. We are suffering. We're your people, right? You're supposed to do something about this. How long is this going to go on? And God's like, it's going to go on. Matter of fact, it's going to get worse. Whoa, wait a minute. And you skip down to verse uh, 13, and, and Habakkuk gets even more real. And he says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk looks around and he's like, there is, there is injustice. The rich are getting richer at the, at the expense of the poor. There's evil people that are triumphing over good people. And God, I know you. I believe that you're a good God. I, I, I believe that, that you care about your people. Why are you not doing anything? I believe you got power. I believe that we are your people. That's what you told us. Why are you letting bad things happen? Why are, you, why are you silent? Why aren't you doing anything about this? Skip forward a few hundred years and go into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those four books of the Bible in the New Testament talk about the life of Jesus when He was here on this earth and in the book of Mark in chapter 4 there's a story that's told that Jesus with His disciples And he's on a boat with him. It's at nighttime, and he is worn out from all the things he's been doing. And he falls asleep. He's in the front of the boat, and he falls asleep. And a storm comes. It's typical uh, for this, you know, this big lake that they were on. For storms just come out of nowhere. And there's a storm that comes, and it's so bad. The waves are so high, and the wind uh, is crashing so hard that these disciples who are trying to wrestle this boat and trying to get it to shore, they think they're going to die. At least four of the guys on this boat grew up on this lake as fishermen. They know the stories of other boats that didn't make it across the lake. They may have kin folks. They may have ancestors who got caught up in one of these storms and didn't make it. They recognize how dangerous this is and and just how overwhelming it is, and they are scared to death, and they're screaming, and they're doing everything they know to do. And then you got other guys on the boat that don't know anything about boats must be freaking out. And while the storm is raging, while the winds are blowing, while everything is chaos, there's Jesus asleep. And after these guys had done everything they know to do, after the, I don't know if they were paddling, I don't know if they were taking, putting sails up, bringing sails down, trying to steer, whatever they were doing, after they'd done everything they know to do, they were just crying out. And they come and they wake Jesus up in, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38 says, he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? How can you sleep in a moment like this? Wake up. Do you see what's going on? Do you see the waves? Do you see the wind? Are you, how, how, do, you, do you even care, Jesus, about your own safety? Do you, could you care less about our safety? We think we're going to die. And in both of the, well, if you keep reading the story, Jesus gets up, and he basically looks at the wind and says, stop it, and it does. And everything's fine. And if you look at just these two things I share with you, Habakkuk and Jesus' disciples, I mean, these, these two events happened 600 years apart from each other. And it's kind of different circumstances in which these things happen, but there's one particular similarity that they have. There's one thing that they have in common that I want us to focus on this morning. In both of these situations, with Habakkuk and and God's people hundreds of years ago and and with uh, Jesus' disciples in the storm, in both situations there was there was there was frustration, there was fear, and there was this this feeling of of being just unsure. Not just about the circumstances that they were going through. Not just about the situation itself, but being unsure of whether God was even aware of what was going on, whether God even even cared what was going on? And both, both asked the same question, maybe not the same words, but, but the same basic question: "God, don't you care? Don't you care?" don't you care what's going on right now? Don't you care what what I'm going through? I mean, does it even register? Do you you see that I'm scared? Do you see that that bad things are happening? Do you you even recognize that I don't know what to do? Have you ever asked this question? Or at least thought it? Have you ever kind of second-guessed and wondered if you're allowed to ask this question? I want to remind you, I believe with all my heart that we are allowed to vent to our God when things are hurtful, when things are overwhelming. And I think that we are allowed to ask God this very honest and real question. Sometimes that's the question, God, don't you care? Don't you care about what's happening? And it's not, even, it's not even blaming God. I mean, sometimes we struggle with that. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and we talked about when, when unfair things happen. And, and sometimes we wrestle with wanting to blame God. Why are you doing this to me, or why are you allowing this to happen to me? But this is a little bit different this morning. This is a little bit different, a little bit different focus, a little bit different perspective. It's not that I'm necessarily blaming God for what's happening. I just want to know if he even recognizes what's happening. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying, does he even realize it? My frustration with that ski instructor was not just that he lost my kid. I mean, that was frustrating. There's a whole bunch of kids, and it was a disorganized system. My bigger frustration was the fact that he didn't even seem to register. He didn't even seem to care. I wrestle with that sometimes, with that question with God. I'm not necessarily blaming him for things. I mean, I know Satan has power in this world. I know Satan has control. And, and there's evil in this fallen and broken world. I recognize that. But sometimes I just, I, I wonder if God even notices. Has God even sense that I'm going through something that's difficult for me to handle? If you go back to ancient cultures that worship different gods and goddesses, the answer would be no. Those gods and goddesses didn't care. They had their own lives that they were concerned with. And the only time they cared about uh, human beings was when, you know, they wanted something from them. They really didn't care about what was going on uh, in, the, in the lives of humans. And, and that same mindset, I think, even pervades in our culture nowadays. We got a whole bunch of folks that struggle with faith, struggle with even believing in God. And they, and they challenge us. They challenge us with, you know, if, if there is a God. How do you know that he even cares? Look at what's going on in the world. If your guy cared, would he be allowing some of these bad things to happen? I mean, just look at things that are going on in the world right now. I mean, we could look at, at the situation that's happening right now in Afghanistan where innocent people are being, are being imprisoned, being tortured, being killed. We have people who are who are just random people who are suffering uh, from this Virus that just this COVID virus that won't go away. We have we have racism, we have injustice, we have people being mistreated for just the the color of their skin. We have we have homelessness, we have people's just basic human rights being taken away from them. We had divisiveness. Uh, in, in our culture in all sorts of ways whether it's political or, or gender identity or there's just all sorts of things that we're just scrapping and fighting about. Does God even care that any of that's going on? Does he see it? Our culture says no. Our culture says if there is a God he obviously doesn't care. Ever wrestle with that? Know somebody that does? I want to address that for a few minutes this morning. I want to start off by saying with all of my heart, I believe, number one, there is a God. There is a God. I'm convinced of it. I'm not going to take the time to tell you why I'm convinced of it this morning because that would be another lesson, but I'm convinced of it. And number two, I'm convinced that he absolutely does care. He absolutely does care about what's going on in this world, about what's going on in my life. And I can show you that through just even just a couple of scriptures this morning. If you go to the book of Psalms, that's in the Old Testament again, the book of Psalms in chapter 10 In verse 14, David says this David says, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted, and you consider their grief and you take it in hand. Notice, notice the the description that that David gives here. God sees it when people are hurting. God sees it when when bad stuff is happening. And he takes it in hand. He takes it personally. He says, "I, I feel this. I recognize it. I don't just see it. I'm I'm taking ownership of it. It hurts me too. I believe that God takes it personally when people in this world are hurting. I believe God created this world to be a perfect world with no suffering and no hate and no anger and no sin, and sin messed that up. Satan brought sin into this world, and we have been participating in it ever since, and because of that, there is war and there is disease and there is hatred and there there is hurt and there is pain and there is suffering. And because, God, because we are supposed to be a reflection of God, God is, God is connected with each one of us as his creation. I believe that he cares passionately about what is happening in the fallen, broken world that he originally created. Does that make sense? He takes it personally. He sees it when there's suffering in this world. But God also cares not just about the world. He cares about me. He cares about you. He cares about us as individuals. Go back over to the New Testament, the book of John, in John chapter ten, Jesus describes himself as a shepherd and his followers um, as as sheep. And one of the most one of the most beautiful verses here. And I, I'll be honest with you, I never paid attention to it until. I was first doing uh, youth ministry at Southside Church of Christ in Rogers and we were in, at Green Valley Bible Camp and Reagan Price talked about this scripture with a whole bunch of high school teenagers uh, at senior week and I had never paid attention to it before and it is something that I go back to often now. It's John chapter 10 verse 3 when Jesus talks about being a shepherd going and, and taking care of his sheep when he goes to the sheep pen to get his sheep. He says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out and just the fact that he says that 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 shepherd I mean that may not mean a whole lot to us but back in in the culture that Jesus lived in there were a bunch of shepherds and they would all keep their sheep it'd be like going to the stockyards there'd be a whole bunch you know you go to the stockyards a whole bunch of whole bunch of cows from a whole bunch of different farms right same thing with sheep back in Jesus day there'd be a whole bunch of flocks of sheep all in this big sheep pen and there would be watchmen that would be watching during the night, making sure that nobody's stealing sheep and all that kind of stuff. But the shepherd, when he would come to to get his sheep, he would only want to take out his sheep. He's not taking out everybody else's sheep. He's just getting his. And Jesus says that the the good shepherd he comes to the sheep pen and the, and they open the gate for him and he calls out his sheep and he and and. He doesn't just go through and look for like some kind of mark or some kind of brand or something. He calls them by name. I don't know what names were back then. Fluffy, Wooly, come this way. I don't know what the names were, but the shepherd would call them. But folks, look at at what Jesus is describing there. He knows his sheep by name. He knows everything about them. He knows that this sheep likes this kind of grass, and that sheep gets scared around running water, and this sheep... You know, we got to do something when the storms come. And he knows everything about them. And Jesus is basically saying, I know that about you. I know your name. I know everything about you. I know all the things that make you happy. I know all the things that scare you. I know all the things that make you frustrated. I know all the pain that you felt. I know all the triumphs that you celebrated. I know you. I care about you. Do you see that? I believe that my God cares about his creation and that he takes it personally when anyone in his creation that he created is hurting. And I believe that God knows me and he knows when I'm hurting and he cares. He's hurt when I'm hurt. He cares about me. I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. And it's not wrong to ask the question, to to wonder sometimes if he really cares. But I hope, I hope that we can help this morning when that thought comes, when that question gets asked, that we can even answer for ourselves, yeah, he does. He does care. And and to help, to help us do that, I want us to be mindful of three truths this morning about ourselves and our relationship with God and how he sees us that can help us when those times come, when we wonder if God is actually even concerned about what's going on in our lives. And I'll be honest with you. Some of these are, are similar to some things that I shared with you before, but I want to invite you this morning, write these down. Use that bulletin that's in your chair. Write them down in your journal, in your Bible. Type them in your phone. Take a snapshot of it when when it comes up on the screen. I want you to, to be reminded of these things. I want these to be things that you can look back on when the times come, and they will come, when the times come when you wonder, does God really care about what's going on in my life? You can be reminded of these three things. Number one, I am significant. I am significant. I'm I'm not unimportant. I'm not just nothing. I matter. I mean something. Not just other people. I mean something to God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, uh, beginning verse 6, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? I guess they were back then. I don't know who's buying sparrows. But yes, okay, five birds are worth two pennies. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. How many, I don't know, guesstimate, how many sparrows are there in this world? They're so common that you could buy them for a couple of pennies back in Jesus' day. And God's aware of every single one of them. And Jesus says, you are worth so much more and a bunch of birds. He says every single hair of your head is numbered. I don't know that number. But God does. What's he saying? God is intimately aware of everything about you. Everything about me. I am important to God. I am on his mind. I'm significant. Number two, I am accepted. I am accepted. I don't have to earn God's awareness. I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to meet a certain criteria before he cares about me. I mean, we, we talk to, to kids. We talk to uh, you know, teenagers all the time about trying. You know, the, the struggle with feeling acceptance. Do I fit in with this crowd? Do these people like me? What do these people think about me? And we, and we talk about it to young people so much we forget that's a problem for us as adults. Do my coworkers like me? Do, do, do my neighbors, do they like me or they, do, they only, do they never invite me to other stuff that they do? Do people accept me? Do, do people think I'm weird? We are constantly bombarded with messages that we are unacceptable to this particular group of people, to that person. There's something about us that's messed up. There's something about us that will make us not worthy of being around that person, that group of people. And what I want you to know, what I want you to believe this morning, if you've never known it before, is that my God accepts you. My God accepts me. He accepts us where we are. He accepts us as we are. He wants things to be better for us. He wants to shape us into something better, but he accepts us where we are. I don't have to go through, jump through a bunch of hoops. I don't have to go through a whole bunch of different activities first so that God will accept me. He accepts me as I am. Go back and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at all the people that Jesus spent time with. Look at all the people that he accepted. Liars, cheaters, prostitutes, diseased people, people with bad reputations, the outcasts, the the people that everybody else literally called unacceptable. That's who Jesus hung out with. That was his circle of friends. And that has continued over the centuries. My God accepts me where I am. Now, he probably doesn't want me to stay where I am, He wants something better for me. But Jesus even says in, in John chapter 6 and verse 37 whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I will never turn my back. I will never shut the door. I will never say, No, not you. I'm accepted. I mean something to God, and I'm accepted by Him. And number three, I'm loved. I'm loved. And we talked about this as a church family before, but it's worth repeating. There are so many things in this world and so many people in this world that, that can say things or do things to make me feel unloved. So I know you've heard me say it before. Hear me say it again. My God loves you unconditionally. My God loves you. My God loves those who love him My God loves those who can't stand him. My God loves those who don't believe in him. My God loves you. And there's no conditions to that. He loves you no matter what. There is nothing that I can do. There's nothing I can say. There is no place that I can go. There are no choices that I can make. There are no people that I can be around that will cause my God to look at me and say, "Mm, don't love that one anymore. I'm, I'm done with that relationship. There may be consequences to some of the choices that I make. There may be consequences to me hanging around a certain group of people. But my God never stops loving me. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 38. It says, I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me bring that down no matter who I am, no matter where I have been, I am loved. I matter to God. I'm accepted by God and I'm loved by Him. And if I can, if I can believe those things to be true, if I can know those things to be true, that's going to help me when those times come when I wonder if God cares. When I wonder if God's paying attention, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know He cares. I know He's paying attention. Why? Because I'm significant to Him. I'm accepted by Him. I'm loved by Him. Yeah, He cares. So do this with me this morning. Let's. Let's. I, I want us. believe these things to be true so I want everybody here in this room repeat after me if you're watching online even if you're the only person in the room that's in front of your computer say this out loud with us I am significant I am accepted accepted. I I am loved okay we're gonna stand up we're gonna wake up we're gonna say this like we actually believe it everybody on your feet I wish I could see everybody at home right now because they're going to be standing in their living rooms, in their bedrooms, standing up on the couch, saying this together right now. I am significant. I am accepted. I am loved. Say it like you believe it. I am significant. I am accepted. I am loved. Man, I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that. Because it's true. Y'all can have a seat. Maybe that's something you need to repeat to yourself every day. Maybe that's something you need to go over every day in your mind, at least for a while. At least till you get past whatever it is you're going through right now. But don't ever doubt, folks, don't ever doubt that my guy cares. Because you're significant to him. He accepts you where you are, as you are, and he loves you no matter what. Now, even if I know those things to be true, that doesn't eliminate the question, does it? Even if I know those things are true, there's still sometimes where I just struggle with, okay, I, I know those are true, but, I, but I'm still wondering. What do I do? What do I do when I still wonder if God cares? Let me give you some action steps real fast i we'll go through these real quick this morning. When I ask the question, when I am, am wrestling with the question, does my God actually care? Here's some things I can do. First thing I can do is, is I can remember. I can remember what we just said. I can remind myself that I am significant, that I am accepted, that I am loved. I can remind those things to myself. Maybe I have them on a piece of paper. Maybe I have them on my phone. Maybe I have them posted up somewhere where I can be reminded because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that my God accepts me, that I'm significant to him, that I'm loved by him, especially when things are not going well, especially when 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 I'm struggling. And I need to remember, and I can feel free to vent, I can feel free to ask, but I need to remember. I'm significant, I'm accepted, I'm loved. Number two, I need to pray. I need to pray about it. I need to talk to God about it, and not, not just asking Him to fix it. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great thing to ask for. God, this thing that I'm going through, this thing I'm struggling with, this, this suffering that's happened in the world, it's not even me personally, I'm just seeing somebody else go through it. And I want you to fix it. Man, I think we should pray for those things. I mean, Jesus called us to to ask and we'll receive. Like, ask God to, to fix broken things in this world. Ask God to, to fix the things that are going on in my own life. But let's not just be talking to God about what we want him to fix. Let's be honest with him. Let's be real with him and genuine with him about what's on our hearts. To be able to, to approach God and say, man, God, this is hard. I'm hurting. And not only am I hurting, I don't. I don't, I can't, I don't feel like you even care. To be willing to be that genuine with God and that real with God, to be able to to look to God and say, do you see, do you see what's happening? I mean, this is the kind of prayers that Habakkuk and the disciples were praying. I know it doesn't look like prayers, but they're talking to God. Habakkuk is calling out to God, God, why aren't you doing anything? Do you see what's happening? The disciples look at Jesus. They call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're drowning? Folks, those are prayers. Those are conversations with God. And I'm allowed to have those kinds of conversations with him god invites me to be that honest with him i mean that's what the author of hebrews says in hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 let us approach god's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need in in the context of what the author of hebrews is talking about here in this part of hebrews chapter 4 he's talking about coming to god and 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 sharing with god anything that's on our hearts not only asking for the things we need, but just being honest with him, being real with him, being genuine with him. and we're invited to do that. He says, "Let's approach the throne of God with confidence, not arrogance, not walking in and going, "God, you better fix this list of demands I have, But I'm not That's not what he says. Let's approach with confidence. I know that I mean so much to God that He wants me to come talk to him that he wants me to share what's on my heart even if that's hard for me to do we need to talk to God with, with confidence we need to pray we need to pray for God to notice for God to intervene for God to at least let us know in some way he's aware Matter of fact, let's just do that right now. Let's do that right now. Let's talk to God right now. God, there is so much going on in our world. Lord, we we see the news stories. We we see the videos of what's happening in Afghanistan. There are people, there are people who are scared to death. There are people who are being killed in, in just hatred and violence. And God, we we want you to see it. We want to believe, God, that you care about those people, those innocent people, those precious humans that are losing all the rights that they used to have, all the freedoms that they had. They're losing their lives. God, please be aware of that. Please intervene. God, there are so many people in our world, in our country, in our community who are suffering from covid God, please be aware. Please see that. We we don't understand why this virus is as rampant as it is. But we ask you to heal. We ask you to notice. We ask you to demonstrate your power. God, there's so much divisiveness in our country right now. And I know, God, I know that you're not just the God of America. As much as we might like to believe that. You are the God of this world. You are the creator of the universe. But we also believe, God, that you, you love us. And you have blessed this country. And God, we, we ask you to see the, the hatred, the anger, the resentment. That seems to be building in our culture. God, see it. And please heal it. And make it obvious to us how we can help. Heal those divisions, those scars. God, we just want you to see. We got people in this room who, and and people join us online who have lost loved ones. And they're hurting. Please see that hurt and please comfort. Scripture tells us you are the God of all comfort. So comfort them, give them peace. Yeah, there are people in our community who are just lost. They don't have direction. They don't have purpose. They don't have salvation. They don't have grace. And I believe that that you want all of us, all human beings to be saved, to spend eternity with you. So God, lead them to us. Lead us to them so that we can help get them connected to you. Oh God, we just want you we want to know that you care. We believe that you do. We just want to, we want to sense it. We want to know it today. We thank you for allowing us to vent to you, to pour our hearts out to you. And we pray these things, believing that you're listening. Through the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's remember and let's pray. And number three, let's trust. Let's trust that God does care. Let's trust that he is aware. Let's trust that he has a plan. Let's trust that that he can rescue, that he can heal. Let's trust that he even if he doesn't uh even if he doesn't take the storm away, he'll walk with us through it. Even if he doesn't steer us around the desert, he'll carry us through it. Let's trust that. Let's believe that. You go back to Mark chapter 4 one more time. When when the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, don't you care if we drown? And, he, and he, in verse, uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 39 says, Jesus gets up and he calms the wind and the waves. And then in verse 40, after he's calmed everything, he says, he says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I have always thought, when I've looked at that scripture, when I've looked at, at that question of Jesus, do you still have no faith? I have always assumed that Jesus was talking about, do you not believe that I... That I could calm the waves? Did you not believe that I could calm the wind? And I've I've wrestled with that recently. I even had this conversation with with Brandon earlier this week. I'm I'm kind of changing my perspective on the question. Because the disciples, to this point, they've seen Jesus perform miracles. He had healed people. He had healed several people. They, They knew he had power. They hadn't seen him do anything related to nature. They hadn't seen him calm the storm. They hadn't seen him calm the waves. That had never happened before. So why would they have that expectation? If you go back and look at verse 38, their question is not, Jesus, why are you sleeping? Will you not calm the storm? That's not the question. The question is, Jesus, why are you sleeping? Don't you care that we're going to drown? There was no expectation on the disciples' part for Jesus to do what he did. So, when Jesus has a question, do you not have faith? Maybe it's not, maybe he's not questioning their faith in his power. Maybe they're questioning his compassion. Maybe they're questioning whether or not he's even aware of what's going on in their lives. Does he even care? Maybe the question, do you even care that we're going through this storm? their lack of faith and their lack of trust was not a lack of trust in Jesus' power over nature. Maybe it was a lack of trust in his concern over their lives. Does that make sense? And I need to work on that myself. Trusting. Trusting, believing that God does care. Maybe my lack of faith and my lack of trust in God is not a lack of trust, and lack of faith in his power to do something, but a lack of faith and lack of trust in his willingness to do something and his awareness that, that something even needs to be done. And it's a conscious decision, folks. Trust is, is me choosing to believe in something that I may not be totally sure about. It's me choosing to believe. Man, I, I wonder if God cares. You know what? I believe he does. I believe he's concerned. I believe he sees what I'm going through. I believe he, I, I'm significant. I believe he accepts me. I believe he loves me. I believe he's concerned about what's going on in my life. If I remember those things, if I will pray about those things, be honest with God about those things, and I will trust that he actually does care, that's going to help me when the question comes. God, do you really care? I know you do. Because I remember that I'm significant, and I'm accepted, and I'm loved. And I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest with you. I'm struggling right now. But I trust that you're already aware. You see it, and you're going to do something about it. Or you're at least going to carry me through it. You know, one of the guys on the, on the boat that night was a guy named Peter. Peter. And Peter, honestly, you know, he grew up on the lake. He was a fisherman. He's probably one of the guys that had done everything he knew to do to try to get out of that storm. And my guess is he's probably one of the guys that was trying to wake Jesus up and wondering why in the world Jesus didn't seem to care about what was happening. And I wonder, I wonder if Peter thought about that storm when he wrote, some words in, in his letter decades later it's a book at the end of your Bible is called 1 Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 Peter challenges us with this he says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you and it's interesting in the original Greek language that this scripture is written in that word cares same word the disciples used in the storm Lord, don't you care? A few years later, Peter's like, yeah, he does. He does. He cares. So give him my worry. Give him my fear. Give him my apprehension. Give him my stress. Give him my wondering about the future. Give him my self-doubt. Give him all those things. Hand those things to him. Why? Not just because he can do something about it. Not just because he's powerful and good. What does Peter say? Give all your anxiety, all your fear, all your worry, all your stress, all your doubts. Give them to Jesus. Why? Because he cares. Because he cares. He really does care. And this church family does too. And we're gonna sing a song here in a second. We're gonna stand together. And when we stand together, we're gonna sing a song about just recognizing that God knows us that we're significant to him, recognizing that we're accepted by him, recognizing that we're loved by him. And as we're singing that song, I would invite anyone that's here this morning in this room. If if you if you're questioning whether God cares, and there's something on your heart that you're wondering, not only does God care, does anybody in this room even care? We would love for you to to walk to the front and share that with us and and know we do care. And we will surround you with love and acceptance. And we will pray and we will help however we can. And we will believe that our God cares. So we invite you to share with us anything that's that's a struggle in your life right now to come forward uh, when we sing and share that with us. And if that's difficult, if it's difficult to walk up in front of everybody, I want you to know that one of our shepherds is going to be available right here uh, at the back of the room. And if you would rather not walk up in front of everybody and just go back to the back, we've got a shepherd or two that will be ready to to talk with you. Maybe even go somewhere private so you can share with them. You're welcome to do that. If you're online and there's some things that are on your heart you want to share, send us a message. We will get back to you. We'll connect with you. We want you to to get freedom from whatever it is that's weighing you down. Peter said, man, throw it, cast it, get rid of it. Whatever it is that's weighing you down, get rid of it. Why? Because he cares. Can we help you realize that in your own life? We want to. While together we stand and sing. Come forward if you need. I have Kim Kleiner came forward this morning, uh, asking for prayers. There's, um, I won't go into a lot of details at this point, but there's some things going on in her family that are overwhelming and hurtful, and um, she just wants prayers for that this morning. She wants peace uh, with that this morning. She just feels overwhelmed by it, so we're going to pray uh, for her. And uh, she's gone to visit with one of our shepherds and get, you know, some more, be a little more open uh, about some things that are going on. So just we just. Appreciate your prayers uh, for for her uh, and for her family this time. Let's pray, and then um, Brandon's got some things to share with us before we wrap up our worship this morning. God, we believe that that you are that you are the God of all comfort. We believe that you are the great healer, and uh, we just pray that um, that you see. Um, the hurt that Kim is feeling right now, and that you would, would move quickly to rescue her from that hurt. And whatever um, can be done to um, heal what's going on in her family, uh, that you would make that obvious. And God, that you would just, you would know how to make her whole and give her peace. So pray for that at this time, and however this church family can help, uh, we want to do that as well, so make that obvious to us, and um, we believe you're listening, and we believe that you're already moving to answer, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Good
3: morning, I feel like that question, at least for me, has been the uh, anthem for 2020 and 2021 so far um realizing that it's okay to ask simple questions like that do you even care um i wonder how often that god thinks the same thing about us as well if we ask god man what are you what are you doing are, are you there do you care about us I think that he can reflect the same question back at us. Man, like, what are you doing? Do you care? Do you see what's going on in this world? And are you doing something about it? Are you lifting our nation up in prayer? Are you lifting the people that you love up in prayer? Are you seeing needs and meeting needs? Now, there's a song uh, by Ben Rector. uh, It's called Make Something Beautiful. And I'm just going to share a couple of words from Ben this morning. He says, please let me make something beautiful, something in this world that, makes, that reminds us that there's good in this world, a thing that reminds us th- that there's still something out there worth fighting for. because just It feels like this world has gone crazy, and it's spinning faster and cheaper than ever before, and it just feels like there's nobody that cares that it's getting worse. Let my life be something wonderful. Let my life be something beautiful. Let me make something beautiful, something that reminds us that there is good in the world. And we can do that as Christians. We can provide that good and reflect the good Father at the same time as well. A couple of things to mention as we're wrapping up in worship. Uh, We need to keep the Bales family in our prayers as uh, Lori's grandmother uh, passed away this morning at 1230. Um, Shoot her a text and let the the family know that uh, we're thinking about them as well. Uh, Lori's grandmother was like a mom, and her uh, grandfather and grandmother basically raised her. So please uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, Keep the McSpadden family in your prayers as well. Kelly's father um, is in the hospital with COVID, um, and as they're looking at the recovery process, trying to uh, move forward and see what that looks like as well. Um, On a slightly lighter note, uh, there is uh, the option to give, just like we have every week, and I think that they're going to put that up there. Uh, You can give online, uh, you can live personally, Uh, there's uh, places to place your uh, money outside to be able to give to Flagstone and the things that uh, we're accomplishing here in this uh, community. So uh, please prayerfully consider uh, your gift uh, as that moves uh, along a a lot of ways. Um, So please be in prayer for that as well. Uh, Just like uh, we talked about today in communion, uh, the Read Scripture uh, campaign that we started in January is still... Is still moving forward. Uh, I won't ask for a share of hands, but I know that there are many, many, many of us that are at least attempting or at least going for uh, this Read Scripture campaign. The Read Scripture campaign, if you don't know what that is or if you're new to this family, uh, is we're reading the Bible from cover to cover in almost 365 days. Uh, right now we're in the... Um, well, can you call a portion of the Bible the trenches? We're in the trenches right now as we're finishing up uh, Chronicles and just getting, getting ourselves ready for the New Testament. And uh, if you're like me, it's like, man, this is, this is slow, slow rolling. I'm ready to get to Jesus, uh, and we're almost there. Uh, the, the, the pivot point, the most important parts of Scripture, which is Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it starts on Tuesday. So if you're like me and you've fallen behind maybe a little more behind than you would like to admit on stage this is a this is a cool moment where we can say man you know what that that was great uh, maybe you didn't didn't keep up the habit like you wanted to keep up or maybe you fall fell completely behind or maybe you never even started this on tuesday that's an opportunity to say you know what 5 minutes a day i'm going to spend with my heavenly father 5 minutes a day i'm going to say you know what i'm going to make this 5 minutes the most important 5 minutes of my entire day uh, and it's been really cool to see all of the comments and see everybody that is really pouring out in this read Scripture stuff. So if you want to find out more information about that, uh, go to our Flagstone Facebook page and in the groups tab there is Read Scripture with Flagstone. If you have any questions about that, please feel feel free to email Marshall or myself. Uh, it's just our names at flagstonecoc.org uh, and join with us. Uh, we've got uh, hundreds of participants that are reading the Bible. Uh, with us. Uh, and you could ask anybody in this room that's going through that and say, man, this is a blessing. Uh, creating habits like that are just one little steps at a time that create just a big option. Here we are uh, in month eight out of 12, and we're starting the New Testament. And what, a, what an accomplishment to get to this moment. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. And let's continue to be upfront and honest with our Father and ask Him these questions. And God, what, what are you doing? All right, do you even care? And allow him to ask us that same question back. Do you care as well? Are you seeing people with my eyes? Let's pray and then we'll end in worship. Father, thank you for your son. Father, thank you for your ears. That God, that we tiny humans, this specks on this earth, that God, you'd be mindful of us, that you hear us and you listen to us. And God, I pray for each and every single one of our hearts that our hearts can break in what breaks yours, that our eyes can see people the way that you see them, and that our hands can move to help others in the way that your hands do. God, thank you for this church family, and let us be the hands and feet of your son. Thank you for everything that you do for us. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. let's all
0: stand up for one more. We'll be on our way.
1: One thing we ask of you, one thing that we desire, that as we worship you, Lord, come and change our lives.